You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Christine Errico knew no easy life. Born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate, she was bullied torturously throughout school, experienced an abusive marriage, struggled with substance abuse, and endured years of being told she would never amount to anything and that her facial difference meant she was also mentally challenged. Today, many years and over 20 surgeries later, Christine is an advocate for the cleft community, working with Smile Train to help strengthen global communications and the cleft community in the United States. She's also a college professor with a PhD in accounting and owns multiple businesses with a real never give up attitude. Christine's resilience, strength, and perspective is refreshing and inspiring. In this episode, she shares confidence boosting tips and her favorite ways to find hope when facing one obstacle after another. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And welcome, Christine. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Yes. Welcome to Thrive. I am excited you're here. We've already bonded over our shared love of Disney. (laughs) Um, But here's something that we very much differ on. So like fun fact, you have a PhD in accounting uh, and you're a college professor, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm over here. I almost flunked out of corporate accounting in in my uh, advanced corporate accounting class in college because it was so totally not my jam. And like, God bless you for being an accountant because I could never do it in a million years. So yeah, accounting is a difficult subject. And I get that a lot that a lot of people said they can never do it. Um, It's definitely not easy. No, it's like a life. It's like one of those life callings that like you have to be blessed to be an accountant because then uh, dude, I just I couldn't do it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. so much respect for you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amazing. Well, you've also got um, a really awesome, powerful story of literally going from surviving to thriving. And it's such a story to cheer for now, like on the other side. So let's just dive right into it. Introduce yourself and tell everyone all about you and and your story that brought you here today. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, um, as like I mentioned, my name is Christine, and I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. And what that means is that my lip and palate never properly formed uh, before when I was born. When I before I was born, so as a result, I needed twenty surgeries to repair my lip to be able to just function normally with eating, speaking, drinking, everything. Um, my first surgery was when I was about three months old, and my last surgery was when I was in my mid twenties. Um, that was a bone. I, that was my second bone graft to replace the bone in my upper jaw. I had skin grafts. I have dental implants. I had so much plastic surgery. It's been endless just to kind of be able to function normally. Um, and what I've learned from having all of those surgeries was how to be resilient and overcome adversity. Uh, especially as a child, most of my surgeries were between the ages of three months and about 12 years old. So I missed a lot of school. I was bullied endlessly. And I was even told that I would never be successful because my teachers thought that 
because I missed so much school and I had a facial deformity, that meant I didn't have any intelligence. So I guess I proved them wrong. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really been a long journey. And what really is the pinnacle of it is about uh, five years ago, four or five years ago, I used to deny having a cleft lip and palate. I used to deny that there was anything wrong with me. Um, I ignored the bullying. I learned how to just um, build a thick skin around it. Even though it really hurt me, I shut off all my emotions. And as a result, I didn't really know who I was. And I was in deep denial that I had a cleft lip and palate. Um, my mother never really talked about it. I mean, we talked about it as much as we needed to for, you know, medical purposes, but she never, we never talked about the emotion behind it and how I felt. So I had all this shame. I had all this uh, self-disgust, lack of self-worth, everything, but I never really identified and acknowledged it until about four or five years ago, I was surfing Facebook one day and I found a group for cleft affected adults and I decided to join it. And that was life changing. That was really the moment where everything changed for me. Because when I joined that group, I realized I wasn't alone. I felt so alone growing up, like I was the only person in the world with a cleft. But when I joined that group and I was able to talk to other people about the challenges of drinking through a straw or being understood sometimes when you talk, there's just all the bullying that we encountered and that I've encountered, I felt less alone. And that's what really started me on the path to my advocacy work that I do now. Uh, a year later, I joined Smile Train with their uh, uh, Community Advisory Council to help them strengthen global communications. I work with them now in a volunteer capacity, helping them build the cleft community in the United States and globally. I became a confidence and transformation coach to help other adults with a cleft or other facial deformity overcome their anxiety uh, reduce their shame and improve their self-confidence. And uh, just in March of 2022, I gave a TEDx talk about my journey growing up with a club, what it was like, and my work with Smile Train. And to, well, the trip I took to Kenya uh, in Africa in November of 2021, where I got to see firsthand the work that Smile Train does. So it's really been a long journey, but it's been a fantastic one. And I know it's not over yet. That's incredible. And did you ever think, back when you were going through so much of the brunt of it, especially in adolescent years, did you ever imagine that it would actually turn into like your mess would become your message and that it would be turned into such a powerful tool for you to use to help other people down the road? I never thought that in a million years. In fact, I hated talking about my cleft. I mean, even when the doctors would talk about it and try to say what they were going to do or how they were going to fix it, I hated it. If Anybody asked me what happened, I just would say I was born this way and shut the conversation down. To move to a point where I am today, where I'm not only talking about my journey, my cleft, the you know experiences I've had, but to be an advocate for the community, never in a million years would I have thought that because I was in such deep denial and I didn't want anything to do with the community growing up. But really what I found was that joining that Facebook community and that group is what got me out of my shell. And I, I learned that by accepting and acknowledging and talking about it, it reduced the stigma and the shame and the fear and the feelings of disgust and the feelings of not being worthy. And it helped me realize that I have so much to offer and that there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not flawed. I'm just 
you know, different, but there's nothing wrong with being different. Absolutely. I think that's such a powerful thing too, that we often forget because when we are in those low moments personally and feeling very isolated and alone, it feels so impossible to think that other people might relate to that because it's just such an isolating feeling. And man, is it empowering when you can just reach out and connect with other human beings who have a shared experience with you where you're like, wow, like you said, you're like, it's like a weight coming off your shoulders of like, oh my God, I'm not alone. And just from having the courage to come out and talk about it and literally just reach out your hand virtually to connect with somebody else and that willingness to share a piece of yourself that feels so closed off and vulnerable and like you've been protecting it for so long, just being willing to like be vulnerable for a moment in the hopes of it connecting with somebody else. Like, wow, what a profound effect that that has, not just on you, but I'm sure that you've changed other people's lives too in the exact same way through connecting with you in that way too. So that's, it's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I I hope so. I like to think that I've changed other people's lives. I know I've made some fabulous friends. Um, I met so many wonderful people. When I went to Kenya, I met a 16-year-old girl who had a surgery that was performed by Smile Train Partner Hospitals there and got to connect with her over shared stories about what it was like going to high school, being bullied, how she was afraid to go to school, and then share her dreams, how she to be a beautician and go to beauty school and that was amazing and then I even met a six-year-old girl who gave me a big hug and I can see the way she was looking up to me as if I was her role model and I remember thinking how special that was and it was yeah like you said it's really amazing to be able to connect with others who have had shared experiences to feel that bonding and to feel less alone through it all. That's awesome. I think a lot of people can relate to your story in some way or another, maybe not also in having a cleft, but just in being judged or treated unfairly because of something physical. And then for not really being seen for who you are, for who you really are because of it, especially since you were going through so many surgeries and treatments for literal decades and were experiencing so much physical change in that time. What was your process like for simultaneously working through the trauma and the shame and the the horrible things that you were experiencing emotionally and physically because I have to imagine it wasn't like you had a, a totally closed chapter that then you were able to sit down and assess and heal from it was like this was all kind of happening side by side in tandem so what was that what was that process like for you emotionally mm-hmm. healing through everything mm-hmm. it's actually it was really a two-step process um Growing up, I didn't, like I said, I was in deep denial about having a cleft. Even though I knew I had it, I refused to acknowledge it and accept it. So I didn't get the mental health help that I needed or wanted. My mother didn't believe in mental health. She says, no, you're strong enough. You don't need it. Um, And so I just kind of learned to shut everything down, become numb to it. You know, in the words of my favorite Disney princess, I, I was like Elsa. And I just pretended nothing bothered me. And that was how I got through life. And I think that's what made me so resilient and strong. But once I joined um, the cleft group and I started to realize like, okay, you know, I can't deny this anymore. I don't want to deny it. That was the biggest thing. I was working with a therapist at the time to get through some other issues in life. And we started digging deeper into my childhood, into the trauma that I've endured. Um, And the most poignant part was when they mentioned that I did not have a normal childhood. And that was really eye-opening for me because 
I thought my childhood was normal. It just happened to have a lot of surgeries. And then when we started digging into that and I started realizing, no, my childhood wasn't normal. It really was kind of like going back and living through it all again, but with a different perspective, realizing, wow, I am a lot stronger than I thought. You know, I don't have to deny this anymore. I can acknowledge and be vulnerable and be emotional. And it's okay because, you know, as I've been told, what I've went through would have taken many people down and that I survived it. And, and all of everybody who has a cleft lip or a cleft palate is a survivor. You know, I always say that we weren't given anything that we couldn't handle. And I believe that everybody who was born with a cleft has the ability to survive so much hard times, you know, just having a club. So getting back to the main process, it's been a journey of working on myself, acceptance. That's been the biggest part is accepting who I am, accepting how I look, and realizing that for most of my life, I did look this way. And I was, you know, nobody, I mean, yeah, except for the bullying, I wasn't really cast out of a community like some other people were. And when I realized I had so much more to give, I was a college professor, I got my degree. I learned that having a cleft lip did not define me, does not define me. It's just a major part of who I am, but it's not all of me. Yeah, that's incredible. Was there um, a process? I know just for myself from like years in therapy, I feel like the the little tools you pick up in therapy are like the best little nuggets to take with you to just <laughs> for forever. But was there anything that you felt like was especially impactful in the process of self-acceptance? And I guess a two-parter to there, was there, was there, and if this is like too vulnerable, please feel free to say no, but was there like a point where it all hit you? Because especially since you were kind of taking it in stride as you were going and you were knowing you were being bullied, but it was like you said, you were kind of like numbing out to it. Was mm -hmm. there a point then in your therapy process where like it all just slammed into you like a brick wall and like you broke down, like, holy crap, holy crap, this is what I've been through because I know for myself and unpacking <laughs> trauma, that's like, that was a huge thing that happens where you're just like, oh my God, this and the weight of it all of a sudden gets to you. And it's, it's overwhelming. So I would love to hear if you experienced that and what, how you kind of took that and handled that. And then how the self-acceptance piece kind of wove its way into that piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would have to say the biggest turning point, and I did not realize this until my therapist pointed it out to me, was the, the time frame of the time period when I started to accept my clap was about two or three months after my mother passed away. My mother and I never had a normal mother-daughter relationship, but we were close because she always took me to all my surgeries, all my dentist appointments. She was my advocate. Um, and many times she fought for me against the doctors to make sure that I got the best care possible. And so I respected her for that, but she was not the mother that I needed emotionally and nurturing. I don't think she just had that in her. Um, you know, by her personality. So after she passed, um, a couple of months later, I was really struggling, not only with her death, but I was feeling very lonely because I talked to her all the time and she knew what I'd been through. She was the only person in the world who really knew what I'd been through physically. And that's when I started searching the Facebook group. And when I found that group, and like I said, became more involved 
but about maybe maybe about a year ago, actually, my and I we were talking about my advocacy work and how far along I came, and he mentioned the timing of it all. And when I realized that, that's when it really hit me. It's like, holy cow. You know, it was the passing of my mother that left me feeling lonely and helped me move into finding that group to become an advocate and finally feeling free in some way of the denial and the shame that I felt. And that was a very difficult time for me because I remember feeling like, who am I now? You know, the person that I thought I was that was so strong and resilient and endured all of this, I felt like that wasn't really me because I never acknowledged my class. So it was almost like a rebuilding process. And the self-acceptance, what really helped out was, again, the therapy, realizing that I can't change who I am. I can't change how I was born. I can't change the surgeries, but I don't have to hold on to it. And I can accept it for who I am and find the good in it and find the good that I can do, which is exactly what I did. You know, helping people, sharing my experiences with them so that they can move forward and they can overcome their obstacles and feel empowered to go out in the world with confidence. Yeah, that's awesome. What gave you hope and kept you going when at times it felt like it was just one obstacle after another before you had the gift of therapy in your life or that sense of purpose from it all when it was just like one obstacle after the other, was there anything in particular that just kind of kept you grounded and kept you hopeful? Uh, Not any one thing, but I'll, I'll be honest. I did struggle tremendously Um, growing up. I turned to substance abuse and I was in my twenties and thirties to kind of numb everything and feel better about myself. Um, I did, struggle with suicidal thoughts at times and the one thing that kept me going was some unexplainable feeling that no I can't give up because I'm not going to let the universe or I'm not going to let any anything take over me I'm going to you know keep fighting because I have to I felt like I didn't have any other option but to keep fighting I didn't want to cause my family the pain of giving up and because I'm always I'm very empathetic and I'm always sometimes to a point to to a fault too worried about hurting other people rather than hurting myself so that was my main thing was that I didn't want to hurt my friends my family my sister by giving up and that's part of what kept me going but the other part is that it's just a deep internal fight that I don't give up easily I'm very determined if you tell me I can't do something (laughs) I'll prove you wrong and I think that's what kept me going was just that resilience that I've developed from a young age. It's like, okay, you know, I got to do this, suck it up and, and enjoy it. And, you know, that was, that was kind of my whole attitude. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can you drop us some of your maybe favorite confidence boosting or even resilience boosting tips, especially for anyone who's struggling with something physical or more outward that maybe they feel distracts from people getting to truly know them for who they are inside is there anything that you think is kind of like off the top of your head okay here's a here's something to say to yourself or a practice to do or something that can just kind of hype you up when you're not really feeling all that hyped yes the one thing that I do and this is something that I um actually realized about a year or two ago when I started you know we were in the COVID pandemic doing all these zoom meetings and I got to see myself how I looked on video and I was telling the other people I was in the meeting with says, oh my God, do I really look that way? I feel so ashamed. And they said with such loving grace, 
you've always looked that way and there's nothing wrong with it. And when they told me that, I felt like, yeah, that's how I've always looked and there's nothing wrong with it. So whenever I'm feeling uh, a lack of self-confidence, whenever I'm feeling down on myself, I think about, okay, this is who I am. I've gotten this far in my life. I can do this. I, I've overcome much worse. I can overcome anything. Um, one tip that I do like to use, and this is what I used before I gave my TED talk when I was incredibly nervous, the stage manager told me to do the Superman pose. When you put your hands on your hips and you pretend you're Superman, I did that and I pretended I was Wonder Woman because she was always my role model growing up. I loved Wonder Woman. So I thought, okay, I'm Wonder Woman and my invisible jet is outside and I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, tackle this and, and, you know, get through it. And that's what really helped was just changing the body language, doing that superhero pose and realizing that it's not going to kill you. You're going to get through it and trying to figure out what's the worst that can happen. And when you face the fear of what's the worst that can happen, you realize it's not that bad. And that's a lot of it too. It's like, you know, growing up, a lot of the surgeries I had, I always had this fear that I was going to die on the operating, operating room table. I was definitely afraid of anesthesia and I thought I'm going to die. At one point, I'm going to die during surgery. Um, obviously, that never happened. And as I got older, I realized that was, you know, an unreasonable fear. But it was still something to go for. The other issue I had with all my surgeries is also the pain, fear of the pain. And what I've learned, and I've even learned this recently, is that your thoughts are your own worst enemy. If you don't hold on to them, don't hold on to the thought of how much pain is this operation going to be, or am I really going to die, and just take it one minute at a time, you can get through anything. Yeah, that's so powerful and so true, because I think, I feel like this is something that's a big thing in today's society also, because there's so much talk about, okay, what's your truth? And we forget that sometimes what we think is true is not actually true. And we can have, there are so many thoughts that come in and out of our head, but feelings are not facts. So you could be thinking something about yourself. And if you think it enough times, it is scientifically proven that it will become an actual thought ingrained in your head that you can no longer decipher if it is true or not. So I think you're absolutely right that if you don't actually intentionally take control back of what is coming in your brain or rather what is staying in your brain, because since as everything comes and goes in and out, oh my gosh, that right there is like a huge trick that will, I think, I think it's life-changing because mm -hmm. that right there is just a simple enough shift that if you feel like you are essentially held captive by the negative thoughts, negative spirals, poor self-esteem, anything, and you need a boost, oh my goodness, take inventory of what mm -hmm. you actually think and what is uh, what is ruminating and spinning inside yeah. your brain on a daily basis because holy moly, it can be it can be a lot. Absolutely, yes. And that's one of the things that I've worked with my clients on is helping them change those thoughts, helping them realize that they are not their thoughts. And that's something that I've struggled with so many times was thinking that, well, if someone, you know, a bully says something mean to me, it must be true. And what I've learned is that you know, when you don't hold on to those thoughts, and again, like my favorite Disney princess, Elsa, you let it go, then you realize there's so much more to have. You live from your heart and you live from your soul and you realize that you are you and your thoughts don't define you. 
They don't have to define you. They don't have to take over because holding on to those thoughts can definitely lead to depression, uh, suffering, anxiety, not going out, a whole bunch of negative connotations. But when you think, you know, this is me and this is who I've been all my life, it changes everything. It can make you go from sad to happy in an instant. Yeah. I know you also wrote a big response to an event in 2020 when a talk show host essentially mocked the cleft community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like this is something we see more and more, unfortunately, where even as the world proclaims to be more inclusive, more accepting, it can actually feel like the opposite sometimes. So I would love to hear what kind of response you saw from your response and what kind of encouragement you would give to maybe others who feel ostracized by society or even public figures where it's something that's made to be like it's okay or commonplace, but maybe they're feeling too small or too unimportant or unworthy or whatever to go up against it. Mm -hmm. That's a really great question. Um, When I wrote that response to, you know, uh, the, the talk show host Wendy Williams I was angry and I wrote that from a place of passion I wanted her to be informed the biggest I guess issue that I have with society nowadays is that they're not informed and there is a lot of misinformation and ignorance around Clefnold and Pallet the statistics are 1 in 700 which is the same as a Down syndrome statistic but yet everybody knows about Down syndrome but not as many people know about Clefnold and Pallet so I encourage everyone to just, you know, who's listening, educate, Google it, find out about it. There's a lot of famous people that do have a cleft, uh, but sadly we're not, we don't have that many role models. But for anybody who does has a, have a cleft that's listening or knows someone with a cleft, realize that you're not alone, first of all. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just you were born differently. Uh you always have a big community. There's thousands of people in Facebook groups that get together to have a club. And there's famous people, uh, the singer of the Pussycat Dolls, uh, Stacey Keach, Keach Marin, even Peyton Manning, they all have clefts. So you can go on and do great things. Your club does not have to define you. That's awesome. Well, I want to get things wrapped up, Christine, by asking you something I ask all guests who come on Thrive, which is what does Thrive mean to you? And how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Oh, wow. Thrive means to me living, being the best person I can be and doing the best, following my heart and following my soul. And I strive to thrive in my daily life by just getting up and getting out there and being myself, not being in denial anymore being in touch with my emotions and just being real and being vulnerable with other people and realizing that putting my true authentic self first is what makes me happiest and what gives me the best positive energy moving forward. That's awesome. Well, tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more. Absolutely. Yes. So you can find me on Facebook, Coach Christine Erico, or on Instagram at Christine Erico. And I would love to, you know, connect with people and chat with you and, um, you know, feel free to follow me on social media. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to and come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.